Did you miss me? I guess not! Yes! We are back! And better than ever, yes! I'm in a new studio, of course. You can tell. The colors are a little bit different. There's, uh, of course, that bowling green poster right up above me. But we're on Facebook Live tonight. Yes, on the Anchor Network. And by the way, did you miss me? We've been off for a couple weeks because I got married right here. Married. We'll talk about the honeymoon. We'll talk about the fun times that we've had here. But tonight, it begins. The journey to the cup. The NHL's 2021-2022 season begins tonight. Four teams, including the new Seattle Kraken. You'll hear my prediction tonight. Right here on All Andy Alford as well as recapping, oh, the Lions. Oh, 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 the Lions. Bad play calling by the Browns. We lose to Akron. Well, hey, we won our homecoming game. Toledo didn't win their homecoming game. Ohio State's Ohio State. Michigan proving to be somewhat of a big powerhouse. When it comes to this upcoming, this college football season. And since we've been off the air, baseball season has ended. We'll talk about that. But also on Facebook Live tonight, you could be a part of the show. Hit a comment right here. As this is all Andy L for tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Guess who's back? All Andy L for it. And a shot at a goal. Four runs in the span of the Shut out. Dumbino! Hit to a home run. Go! Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. With that, I say, I love you guys, and welcome into another edition of all. Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me, and that is the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you. For the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show, as always, by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com. Slash all Andy Elford, and we are on Facebook Live tonight. Yes, the shows are going back to Facebook Live. Now I've gotten some. I'll, I'll we'll start off with this first and foremost. I've gotten a lot of people that have asked for these shows to go back to Facebook Live, and since we have the show, the network on the Facebook channel, why not? We're here. We're doing the show live tonight as we kick off the 2021-2022 NHL season. And it is going to be a doozy of a season. We're going to break that down here just in just a little bit. Of course, we're going to recap the week that was for the gridiron. Of course, the Falcons falling to Akron. We'll, just, we'll dive into that game as well as the University of Toledo falling to Northern Illinois. You'll hear some predictions for this early week's games as we get you set for Falcon Friday's edition of All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. Also, we're going to dive in a little bit into the baseball playoffs. Of course, the White Sox losing today to the 
Houston Cheetros, I mean the Astros, we'll talk about that tonight as well. Also, we will dive into the Reds and see how they're... Uh, the finish of their season, of course. We'll dive into the Tigers as well as the Indians, what we looked forward to from this past season. Also, we'll dive into the NFL with the Browns as well as with the LOL Lions. Oh, the LOL Lions. But first and foremost, let's uh, recap where everything has been with me. Of course, the last few weeks we have been off the air, of course, due to the fact that, of course, I got married right here. Ring on the finger. Got married to my beautiful wife, Amanda. She was absolutely gorgeous. Um, it was a, a great turnout. I want to thank everybody that came out to the wedding to uh, be a part of us, be a part of our special day, and to be a part of, you know, a piece of history for me. A piece of history. I, I always told myself I would only get married once, and this is the one and true only time I'm going to get married. And I... Absolutely. Let me give you a little snippet of what happened, of course. On the wedding day itself, uh, we got married at Stone Ridge Country Club in Bowling Green. Highly recommended if you're looking to get married anytime soon. Uh, the great staff over there, Chelsea and crew, did a fantastic job. Uh, the food was absolutely perfect. Uh, the weather was a little iffy at the beginning of the day because it was raining all morning. And then we decided to move the ceremony from outdoors to indoors. It helped our parents out a lot. Um, you know, I got my first look at Amanda and she was absolutely gorgeous. I, I literally started crying. And I don't usually cry all that much, but she looked absolutely beautiful in the in the beautiful dress that she was in. Uh, had pockets, by the way. I was very, very pleased. And I got blessed with a great day. You know, it was a sunny afternoon. It was gorgeous. Uh, we had a, you know, beautiful turnout. Uh, the most beautiful present of all, besides all the nice gifts that we got, is that Bowling Green pulled a 30-and-a-half-point deficit to beat Minnesota that day. And, that you know, it felt like the gods and my uncle and everybody was giving me a, a nice wedding present say you know we're here and uh we know that your team is a uh is a big component absolutely big component to you know everything and uh you know it was a great turnout uh we had a great uh great honeymoon we stayed in Gatlinburg Tennessee actually we stayed in Pigeon Forge but we spent most of our time in Gat in Gatlinburg Tennessee went through the Anakista of course through the beautiful beautiful mountainside this great smoky mountains uh 16 hours in the car i tell you it, it tells you a lot there so i'm ready for long distance road trips a little bit more going forward uh got a chance to partake in some of the cultural aspects of of tennessee with regarding of like the of the cult with the the mountains uh dove into a little bit of the moonshine if you know what i mean um uh, great food uh, the the hospitality was fantastic, but I, I will say one thing: uh, Tennessee is not a mass state, and uh, I'm a big mask opponent. Me and Amanda wore our mask, our Mister and Mrs. Mask, most of the time when we were in Tennessee, and we were felt like we were we had the bubonic plague at some points. And to me, it was you know a little bit of a shock in all aspects, but. 
you know, it, it is to each their own. And uh, most of the time we were outdoors, so we didn't have to wear a mask. But the only times we were wearing a mask were, were when we were indoors as well as when we had a lot of people around us. So there's that. But a great trip overall. Came back home on Thursday. Got a chance to stop in Troy, Ohio. Got a picture with Big Butter Jesus, of course. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a fun trip overall. Uh, would I go back? I'd probably stay more in Gatlinburg than Pigeon Forge. You know, Pigeon Forge is a little bit more of a tourist trap, in my opinion. A lot of miniature golf courses, a lot of, uh, of, a lot of go-kart tracks. It's a big family spot. Um, I would spend more time in Gatlinburg being in the mountains more than anything else. Did not get a chance to go to Dollywood. It was just too much out of our budget. Uh, but next time we will probably go to Dollywood for our trip when we go for our anniversary, hopefully, but that will probably be until, uh, I'm thinking late into October next year because, uh, her sister's getting married in Pennsylvania. That's another 12 hours. The car cannot wait for that drive as well. So yeah, overall it was fantastic. I want to thank everybody that came out to the wedding and came out to support us and to be a part of our part of our special day. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, our gratitude will be sent to you in thank you notes later on down the road. So there is that for you. Of course, we're back on to doing shows. Like I mentioned before, we've gotten a lot of compliments and a lot of people asking, hey, when are we going back to Facebook Live? Well, tonight is the first night. We're going back to Facebook Live tonight for this upcoming season, uh, for the hockey season. We're going to be doing shows you know, once a week on Facebook Live. Of course, most of the shows will be Friday nights because of the Falcon Friday to get you set up for the weekend that is coming up in spring in sports, whether it be for the Falcons, they get ready for NIU this upcoming week. And we will also dive, we can also dive into all the NFL games as well as recap what's happening on the, uh, on, on what's happening in in the ice as well as what's happening on the diamond with the playoffs going on. And how about the Red Sox last night? Absolutely breathtaking game for them. Good to see that. And we'll, we'll start with the baseball playoffs first. We'll start with the baseball playoffs. First. I was going to start off with the um, with the with the football stuff, but we'll start with baseball first because it's fresh in my mind. And so we've just seen the White Sox go down to the Houston Astros today. Uh, the Central Division will not have a representation in the playoffs, and we kind of figured that the White Sox weren't that great uh, this season. You know, they played in a weak division, and to have them lose today. By the score of ten to one, it, it's just it is it's just bad. But you know, if we look at how good that this season was for the White Sox, it was. It really was. They were the better team in in the division, plain and simple. The Indians were just terrible. Now the Indians are no more the Indians. They're now called the Guardians. Uh, it's going to take us some time to get used to that name, but. We shall see. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, this past season. Let's talk about the Tigers really quickly. Uh, now we're into the offseason with Detroit. Detroit finishes with a record of 77-85. and 85. They were 16 games out of first place. Overall, 
they were three and seven in their last ten. They won their finale game, of course, of the season, which was great to see. It's, it brings a lot of bright future to the Tigers. But here is my biggest dilemma right now with the Tigers: what happened in player development? Because Tom Prince, the manager of the Toledo Mud Hens, is no longer the manager of the Mud Hens. After winning the division this year, he has absolutely been fired by the Tiger organization. They fired Tom Prince for a, a great record. He was 74 and 56, winning the division for the Mud Hens. Winning the first division for the Mud Hens since 2008. Why? Why did we get rid of this great manager? Is it because of his lack of leadership in the clubhouse? Or is it because of you know player development that that's what they're saying? It's player development that needs to move around. Is this a hinge job? Is this a Vila position? Is this a situation where... You know, is this a situation where everything is just, you know, just decided to, you know, we need to start fresh, start new, get going? I don't know. I, I, I just don't know about this organization. I have questions still about the pitching. I still have question, questions about the rotation. But we have all off season to dive into that, of course. Talk about the other team on the lake, and that is... The Indians, well, formerly the Indians. The Indians' final season as the Indians, they finished two games under 500 at 80 and 82. Their winning percentage was a 0.494 winning percentage. They were 13 games out of first place. Now, the Indians, you know, they have pieces there, but, you know, what's the question with Ramirez? Uh, what's going to happen in the offseason? Uh, the new name is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be looking into because of this. Um, what the backlash is going to be with fans with regarding that, I don't know. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Indians to see what they're going to pick up. And, you know, and the question is, is Tito coming back? Is he going to be back? Is he going to be 100% healthy? Is he going to be, you know, one of those... You know, is he going to be an off-and-on manager? Is he the, Is he going to be there? Is my big question. I don't think so. I think uh, we have seen the last of Tito Francona as the manager of the Cleveland Indians this this year. We've seen the last of him, I think, in baseball in general. Uh, a man who you know has been out for the last two seasons, you know, with health and health incidents. I think you know he's going to have to reflect and look into himself and say, "Hey." Maybe maybe baseball isn't what I'm what we need to consider in, you know, maybe I need to step away from the game for a while, for a much longer time. Maybe I need to retire. Because I think that's what's really gonna happen. I really do. And you know, the question is who would be the next manager for the Indians? And I, I, I have it one plain and simple, it's Sandy Alomar Jr. Sandy Alomar already with the club, he's already got he's already got a bench job. Why not keep him on to be a man, manager for the Indians. It'd be, it be simple enough. It'd be simple enough job. You know, not that much of a transition team, too. Not that much of a transition. All right. Now let's talk about Red Leg Alfred. 
Now, we uh, talk about the Reds. Reds, a good season. You know, they finish 83-79. and 79. They finish above 500. The, of the three teams, the Reds finished above 500, 83-79, at a .512 percentage. They were 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They lost 12 games out of first place to get out of first place. And, you know, they had opportunities after opportunities to claim the wild card, but they, down the stretch, folded quicker than a Walmart sweater in the dryer. It fell apart quicker, and it was just it was just too much. And uh, you know the question I don't have any real questions with the Reds is if what are we gonna what's the next step? What is going to be the next step for this team? Can it be them making the run and dethroning the Brewers, dethroning the Cardinals? You know you know the Cubs are going to be there. You know that you know Pittsburgh is going to get better. They're a dumpster fire. They're, they're going to be a dumpster fire for a while. But, you know, you got to look at the ages of Joey Votto. How much longer can he be in be a Reds uniform? How much longer is uh, Mostakis is going to be there? It's a big question. It is a big question in the offseason for this Reds team. It really is. But, you know, we shall see what happens with the with all of baseball, of course, and the, and the Mud Hens coming off of the great season, you now are now looking, and the Tigers are now looking for a new manager. Why? Again, I say that again. Why? Is it player? De- and they say it's player development. But why? And by the way, they fired Mike Hesman too. Hesman's gone. He's not the he is not the hitting coach for the Detroit Tigers anymore. Plain and simple. So the question is. Who's going to lead this team? Who's going to lead this young team with Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green and the crew? We shall see. We shall see. As the uh, Astros beat the White Sox today, 10-2-1. They clinch and move on to the next round of the playoffs. Of course, uh, Brewers and Braves are underway. Top of the fourth inning right now. Uh, Brewers are up one to nothing on the Braves. Nine oh seven tonight. It will be the Dodgers hosting the Giants. It will be Walker Bueller on the bump. One and zero. Zero and one with a four point two six ERA. He'll take on DeScrafani, who has no record as of yet. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, there is no scheduled game. Bearing on Thursday, if necessary, if the Brewers do close that out tonight. Then there won't be a game five, but if there's a game five, it'll be Thursday, 5.07. And the nightcap will be the Dodgers in San Francisco to battle the Giants. Of course, like I mentioned before, last night, the Rays going down to the Red Sox in a walk-off fashion. 6-5, a great game overall. Got a chance to watch most of that off and on between the Monday night football game. Of course, and we'll dive into the NFL in just a second. But let me talk about this really quickly. The Rays were the best team. Let me put the air quote. The best team in the American League this year. They weren't. They weren't. They were coming off of a great season last year. Got them to the playoffs. Got them into into the... World Series, American League Championship, and they just folded because of the Dodgers. But I will just say this. 
plain and simple. Momentum was in favor of the white of the Red Sox the entire time of that series. Now, I will say with Tampa getting one game out of it, you know, that was that was something. But as soon as the Red Sox got one win, I said the series is over. Because they have the momentum, they had the run. It was just it was just time telling that you know the Red Sox were going to be the Red Sox and just power through. So now that's the Red Sox battling the Astros for the American League Championship. Cora's old team. Should I bang on some garbage cans for you? It'd be interesting. I think a lot of people want the Astros and the Dodgers in a rematch for the World Series. I like to see Boston get in again. Now, you can hate Boston. You can hate, you know, you can hate Boston, but I hate the Astros even more. After what they did and the cheating scandal and everything like that. And and to those people that are going to criticize me for this comment, I will say this. The Astros should not be in the playoffs. After the year that they had of cheating and they got caught, I think they should be not allowed to even participate in postseason play or even getting a postseason check. Plain and simple. When you cheat in baseball, you cheat, it's a black mark for me. You will always have an asterisk next to your name, no matter what the situation is. Now, you can say the same thing about what's happening with Boston, because Alex Cora used to be a part of the, the part of the Astros back then. But there is a con, there's a con, consources right now that's saying, that's saying the Astros are already cheating signs again in the playoffs. Players from the White Sox are noticing it. You watch and see something like this happens again. It'd be a black mark in baseball, and it'd be terrible for baseball. And for me, I would like to see, you know, the Giants are the better team this year. The Giants are a better team right now. They were running hot. They were running hot, and they are, been a, you know, it's an odd year, 2021. The Giants are there. I think the Giants can beat the Brewers to get to the World Series. I think it's the Giants, Red Sox for the World Series this year with the final four teams that we're going to have. I really do. Uh, do I think that um, that the Dodgers will compete? I think this goes full five, but I think the Giants get the better end because they're the home team. Plain simple. Plain simple. But we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. You know, We'll absolutely see what happens. We're also on the Anchor Network right here on the Anchor Network whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's dive into the gridiron. Oh, my God. All right. Let's dive into the Lions. <laughs> let's dive <laughs> I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be full-fledged honest with you folks. I don't see the Lions winning any more football games this year. 
I don't think Campbell's getting a win this year. It, it, it it's just happening. It's it, it's gonna happen. And for me, it just hurts. They have hurt me so much in my lifetime. I wear the Honolulu blue all the damn time. I I just don't see it anymore. I thought maybe you know they they have tricked me so many times. They have tricked me so many times. New quarterback, oh great. New coaching staff, young group. Oh boy, this is going to be fantastic. Week after week after week now. It's been taking my heart out and ripping it and throwing it on the fucking floor. Use that language. Yes. Zuckerberg put me in Facebook jail. I don't care. Three straight weeks in a row. Three. Three straight weeks in a row. Losing to losing to losing. Lose to the Ravens on a 61-yard field goal that shouldn't have never taken place. Lose two weeks ago to the Bears. The Bears! Who just got obliterated by the Browns last week. Two weeks ago. And then this week. We go to TF, TCF Field. We go to Minnesota. We're all in three in this division. Not winning the division this year, folks. And I said it. We are not going to win a game this year. We are not going to win a game this year. It's just feeling like it now. After the app, you know, it's attempt after attempt. For a team that has lost in two straight walk-off field goals in more than 50 yards, this hurts. This one this is brutal. But the Lions did lose. They lost on Sunday to Minnesota, 19 to 17. Golf, 21 for 35 for 230 yards, one interception. Williams, 13 carries for 57 yards. St. Brown, seven catches, 65 yards in total for Golf. Like I said, his QBR rating was a solid 21.6 percent. I ain't gonna cut it. Williams, 13 carries, 57 yards. Swift had 11 carries for 51 yards. He had a TD game. No TDs in the passing game. For the for the Vikings, it was Kirk Cousins, 25 for 34, 275, one TD, one interception in his game. Madison, 25 carries for 113 yards. On the receiving end, it was Jefferson for seven catches for 124 yards. Madison, seven catches, 40 yards, one TD in the game. For them overall, team stats look like this: the Lions had 22 first downs to Minnesota's 18. On third down, the Lions were 30 for 11. The Vikings were five for 13. Uh, they had a total of 288 total yards. The Lions did in offense: 180 through the air, 108 on the ground. The Vikings had 384 yards of total offense, 264 through the air, 120 on the ground. Penalties, three penalties for 30 yards for the Lions, seven penalties, 74 yards for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Both teams had two turnovers in the game. 
Uh, the possession arrow went more towards Minnesota at 32.6%, 32 minutes and 6 seconds, my apologies, and to 27 minutes and 54 seconds for the Lions. So now I'll say this. This game, we should have won the game. We were close to winning this game. We should have won this game at the end. But the field goal again kills us again, and we lose 19 to 17. 19 17. It just, I just don't see us winning another game this year. Here's why I say that. The Brown, the Lions now face the Bengals at home this upcoming Sunday. Burrow is looking for retribution. He's going to get a big win. Then they go out to LA to battle the Rams. Stafford's just going to torch us. The Eagles are two and three. They're going to try to compete in that division. They're going to try to win. Then they go to Pittsburgh. Maybe, maybe they pull one out. But then they have to go to Cleveland to battle the Browns. Nope, don't see it there. They play the Bears on Thanksgiving. Fields is probably torches again. And I'll be singing the the uh, Bear Down song here on Facebook Live for, for our Frog of Friday show. Plain and simple. Then they have Minnesota at home. That's a loss. They're in Denver to battle the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater. They could still be in the hunt in the division. Play Arizona. Not a chance. Play at Atlanta. They could win. They honestly could win. At Seattle. That's a loss. They end the season against Green Bay. Two wins. Maybe. But I could see us not winning a football game the rest of this year. I, I, I really do. And the Lions are just this terrible. And I got to give credit, though, to Campbell. I do. I got to give credit to the coaching staff. They believe this team. They believe in this team. They believe in this young team. And they are a great, great source. But do I see this regime being here for another two years? Maybe. It's just that the Fords have to give up some money so we can go get some good players. Plain and simple. If we do that, if we do that, I'm looking right at the camera. I'm looking right at Martha Ford. I'm looking at the Ford family. I'm just telling you this. We need more players that are caliber, championship caliber players. Plain and simple. And if we don't get that, well, they might as well just sell the team. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Well, let's talk about the other team. Other positive on the league, of course. Let's talk about the Browns. Browns browned themselves again, and it wasn't their fault. Well, it was in some aspects. Browns took on the Chargers this past Sunday night. 4.05 kick Eastern. 1 o'clock kick over there in L.A. as they battled the Chargers. And Herbert, a great, you know, and I, I said this earlier in the week to a couple people that I know. I said, you know, this game is a possible AFC playoff matchup. I really do. I think they're a possible playoff matchup right here. And I... I can see it. Herbert, 
26 for 43, 398 total yards. He had four TDs in the game. Mayfield, a great outing, 23 for 32 for 305 yards, two TDs. It's just they ran out of time. They could not capitalize, and they lost. The Browns lose 47 to 42, and they, you know, they did it to themselves in some aspects of the game. But you think about it in the long term. Think about it in the long term. Can this team, you know, you know, be better program, be a better team? They can, they will. You know, and I I don't understand why Nick Chubb wasn't out on the final drive. You know, being a decoy receiver. I think that would have been a, a great move for them to have him there be there. But no, he wasn't. They relied on Hunt too much, you know, and the penalties killed them in the game, at the end of the game. It was bad play calling by Stefanski at the end of this game. And, you know, the Browns you know, browned themselves. They seem to find a way to lose the big games. And this was a huge game for the Browns because it doesn't get easier for the Browns after tonight, after Sunday's game, excuse me. Going over the uh, box score, like I said, Mayfield, 23 for 32, 305 total yards. He had two TDs in the game. His QBR rating was a 53.2. Nick Chubb, I love Chubby. He's a great Great running back. I always said he's the best running back in the in the league. 21 carries, 161 yards, 1 TD. He averaged 7.7 yards a run. Kareem Hunt, 12 carries, 61 yards, 2 TDs in the game. Nujoku, 7 catches for 149 yards, 1 TD in the game. Uh, Higgins, 3 catches, 29 yards, 1 TD in his game. Odell Beckham was targeted 2 times for 20 yards. His longest run was 13. Um... Peoples-Jones, five catches for 70 yards. No TDs in his outing for them. For the Chargers, for Herbert, 26 for 43. 398 total yards of offense. Four TDs in the game. His QBR rating was an 85.0%. Eckler, 17 carries for 66 yards with two TDs that he brought onto the field for the Chargers. For the Chargers, for Williams, he had eight catches for 165 yards. Two TDs in the game. Uh, Eckler, five catches, 53 yards, one TD for him. Uh, Parham Jr., two catches, 29 yards, one TD for him. So looking at the overall stats in this game, the Browns had 25 first downs to the Chargers, 27. On third down, the Browns were 4 for 12. The Chargers were 6 for 13. On fourth down, the Chargers were a perfect 3 for 3, while the Browns were 1 for 3 in their outing. Total yards, the Browns had 531 total yards of offense, and they lost this football game. 301 through the air, 230 on the ground for the Browns. The Chargers had 493 total yards of offense, 381 through the air, 112 on the ground. Uh, Penalty minutes, penalties, seven penalties for 77 yards, and that's what killed the Browns in this game at the end of this game. Seven penalties for 77 yards. The Chargers, six penalties for 49 yards. They led in the possession arrow. The Browns did at 36 minutes and 28 seconds. To the Chargers, 23 minutes and 32 seconds. So the Browns fall to the Chargers, 47-42. They now welcome in the Arizona Cardinals to First Energy Stadium. 4:05 kickoff for that one this upcoming Sunday on Fox. 
Right now, the opening line of that is the Browns are favored by two and a half against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. So with all that in mind, let's take a look at week five of the NFL schedule. We'll start off with Thursday night football as it was the L.A. Rams beating Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks by a score of 26-17. Wilson out now for a while. He's got uh, He had surgery on his middle finger. He's going to be out for a while. Stafford was injured, but he stayed in the game. Uh, the Rams, a 26-17 win. How about Atlanta on, so, on the London soil? Uh, early kickoff, they get the win, 27-20, to holding off the J-E-T-S. Sucks, 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 Jets. As they lose 20, as the Falcons win 27 to 20. The Packers find a way with Mason Crosby after two attempts of not getting the game winning field goal. He misses. This third attempt goes through the uprights. They beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in overtime 25 to 22. The Steelers bounce back with a big win as Teddy Bridgewater struggled, as it was the Steelers, a big 27 to 19 win over the Broncos. Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers own Florida as they beat the Miami Dolphins 45-17. New Orleans, a big 33-22 win over the Washington football team. The Eagles, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, pound out over the Carolina Panthers by a score of 21-18. The Jags fall to the Titans 37-19. The Patriots, a big 25-22 win over the Texans. The Bears, a 20-9 win over the Las Vegas Raiders, and they are now without John Gruden. We'll get to that here in just a second. My opinion on John Gruden here in just a minute. As the Bears beat the Raiders 20-9. It was the Cowgirls beating up on the G-Men 44-20. And the Cowboys look for real. I don't believe them. They are not for real to me. They just beat a Giants team that just beat Barely beat the New Orleans Saints. I'll just say that. Uh, Arizona, a big 17-10 win over the 49ers. And then we get to Sunday Night Football. A great matchup as it was the Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. This was a must win for Kansas City in my opinion. Because they could not be falling back. Especially how good the Raiders and how the Chargers are this season. And Denver is right there. So you can't be falling back in this division, how good they are. And they fell to the Bills by a score of 38-20 to on Sunday night football as the Bills are circling the wagon, and they're leading this division, which is surprising. And last night on Monday night football, of course, which capped it all off as the Baltimore Ravens get a big 31-25 to win over the Indianapolis Colts. Sorry, Roberto right there. Uh, the the uh, Baltimore Ravens a game-winning field goal in o- a game-winning touchdown in overtime to beat the Indianapolis Colts. So week five is now in the books. We go to week six of the NFL season, and we'll all kick off on Thursday night football as it will be Tampa Bay traveling to Philadelphia to battle the Eagles. Eight twenty kickoff on Fox and the NFL Network. I will take Tampa Bay in that game. Plain and simple. Tampa is a better team. I think Tampa and Tom Brady will be there. I will take Tampa. 
to beat the Eagles. Plain and simple. We'll have a big slate of games also on Sunday. We'll dive into all that on our Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Offer right here on the Anchor Network as well as on Facebook Live. As you're watching and listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on Facebook Live as well as on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's dive into the college game, of course. Let's talk about that team down in Wood County and what happened this past Saturday afternoon. So this past Saturday, of course, college football into the full swing of things. A big college football day. It was a big shakeup. We'll dive into the top 25 here in just a few moments, but let's dive first and foremost to the Mid-American Conference, of course, which is the big one that we talk about right here on the All Andy Alford Network. And let's talk about that team down in Wood County that you see over there, that poster, as it was Bowling Green taking on the Akron Zips at Doit L. Perry Stadium. The Falcons coming off of a loss to Kent State the week before. And, you know, I felt like Bowling Green was going to take the right step. And, you know, after the loss to Kent State, losing by seven, I figured maybe, just maybe, Falcons can win one, win a MAC game at home in a while. And the Akron comes to calling. And, of course, I figured that this game was going to be good. They were up 7 nothing early in the game. They were up 7 nothing early in this game. And just to have that rip my heart out, it just it hurts. It absolutely hurt. As Bowling Green falls to Akron 35-20. to We can't have that happen. We cannot and should not have that happen against Akron. We weren't expected to win against Minnesota. We won against Murray State, which was a surprise because Murray State held in with Cincinnati. We weren't supposed to be competitive against Tennessee, and we lost, but we lose to Akron. To Akron. Of all teams, Akron. Give me a break. You know, to, to me... Akron is not a good team. And we gave them their first road whack win in over two years on Saturday afternoon. As Gibson, 14 for 15 for 177 yards for Akron. He had three TDs in the game. Hester for Akron, 20 carries for 120 yards, two TDs in the game for him. Uh, Murfield, six catches for 106 yards, two TDs in the game. So there's your offense right there. There's your offense. It's not there for Bowling Green. The defense is not there, my apologies. Not offense. The offense was there. But Matt McDonald is just struggling. Three INTs in this game. He had a, you know, a great outing. Don't get me wrong. Maddie had a great time, 21 for 35, 257 total yards, two TDs, but three interceptions. His QBR was a 7.1. Ain't going to cut it, Matt. I'm sorry. I'm, it's not going to cut it. But you're a young kid. I understand that. This is your young team. 
we're not expected to be anything good. But, you know, we have to be competitive, especially in Mac games. If we're going to be competitive against the Mac, we have to be. And we have to be competitive against Mac. To the moon, my friends. To the moon. Patterson, 15 carries for 79 yards. Mosley, 8 carries, 21 yards. Uh, Broden, 4 catches, 111 yards, 2 TDs. He was the bright spot in this game on Saturday afternoon. Kroom, 2 catches, 43 yards. Uh, Osborne, 5 catches, 35 yards. Bench, 1 catch, 15 yards. I love Andrew Bench. He's a great, great player. For Akron, like I said, Gibson, 14 for 15, 177 yards, 3 TDs in the game. Uh, Nilsson came in, 6 for 10, 91 yards. He had one interception in the game. Hester, like I mentioned, 20 carries for 120 yards, 2 TDs in the game. Uh, Williams Jr., 9 carries for 23 yards. Uh, Mumpfield, 6 catches, 106 yards, 2 TDs. Uh, Qualis Jr., 1 catch, 47 yards. Dijovic, one catch, 21 yards, which is his longest, and one TD in the game for him. And looking at the overall team stats, looks like this. Uh, both teams had 18 first downs. On third down, BG was 6 for 15. Akron was 5 for 13. Both teams 1 for 2 in fourth down efficiency, so they were both shooting at 50%. As I fix my hair really quickly. Both teams had a difference in total yardage. Akron had 385 total yards of offense, 268 through the air, 117 in the ground. Bowling Green had 364 yards of total offense, 257 through the air, 107 on the ground. Penalties, four penalties, 30 yards for Bowling Green, two penalties, 10 yards for Akron. The Falcons had five, five. Five turnovers in the game. That's what killed Bowling Green in this game. Two fumbles, three interceptions. You can't have that against Akron. Akron led in the possession at 32 minutes and 22 seconds to Bowling Green's 27 minutes and 38 seconds. So on the Anchor Network right now, we're going to hear from Scott Leffler, the head coach of Bowling Green State University, and his post-game comments as well as we'll hear from Scott about this upcoming week and what the expectation is for Northern Illinois right here on the Anchor Network. So you just heard from Scott Leffler, the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons, as Bowling Green gets ready to take on NIU this upcoming Saturday. That kickoff, a 3.30 kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. NIU favored right now at 9 against Bowling Green, but let's recap the rest of week six of the college football spectrum, and we'll continue on in the Mid-American Conference, and let's talk a little bit about the team that's up north. Let's talk about the University of Toledo as they had homecoming this past Saturday as they took on those Huskies that Bowling Green will face this upcoming week. Richardson, five field goals, lifts Northern Illinois to a 22-20 win over the University of Toledo. Rocky Lombardi, the former quarterback of Michigan State University, was 14 for 24, 154 yards, one interception in the game. Brown, 24 carries for 93 yards, one TD for NIU, as it was Richie with eight catches for 98 yards for the Huskies in the game. Like I said, Lombardi QBR rating was a 69.8%. He had one interception in the game. Brown, like I said, 24 for 93 with one TD. He averaged about 3.9 yards a carry. 
Ritchie, eight catches, 98 yards. His longest was 34-yard catch and run. Uh, Rudolph, three catches, 25 yards. His longest was 18 as well. For the Rockets in the game, it was starting on the bump. Brantley was Finn. Finn went the distance. He was 10 for 17 for 168 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. Brantley, six catches for 14 yards. Excuse me, six for 14 in his completions, my apologies. 50 yards caught. He averaged about 3.6 yards a throw. Finn, 10 for 17, 168 yards, two TDs in the game for them. Brian Kovac of the University of Toledo, the Rockets, he had 12 carries for 91 yards, one TD in the game for him. He also had two catches for 85 yards, one TD in the game for, for Kovac. It was also Maddox with five catches for 34 yards, one TD in his game on Saturday afternoon. But the field goals, what's killed the Rockets, the Rockets fall to NIU by a score of 22-20. to 20. Going over the team stats really quickly, uh, NIU 23 first downs to the Rockets 15. On third down, Toledo was 1 for 10. Can't have that. Can't have that. On third down, the NIU Huskies were 7 for 19. Total yards, the Rockets had 371 yards of total offense, 236 of the air, and 135 on the ground. NIU had 396 yards of offense, 154 yards through the air, 242 on the ground, so they pounded that line hard in the game on Saturday afternoon. But penalties killed the University of Toledo. They had 10 penalties in this game for 100 yards. That's basically giving up a touchdown right there. Eight penalties for 80 yards for NIU. The the Huskies had one turnover in the game. The UT Rockets had no turnovers in the game. Uh, the possession arrow was all in NIU's favor. They had 40 minutes and 47 seconds of football to the Rockets. 10, 19 minutes and 13 seconds. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Rest of the max scores look like this. Of course, uh, Miami of Ohio loses to Eastern Michigan 13 to 12. Ball State a 45 to 20 win over the Western Michigan Broncos. Central Michigan a 30 to 27 win over Ohio. Kent State a 48 38 win over Buffalo. Let's take a look at the Mid American Conference standings for going into this week's play. Kent State top spot 2 0. In the conference, Miami of Ohio 1-1, one and one, Ohio 1-1, one and, one, and Akron 1-1 one one as well. And Bowling Green and Buffalo are both 0-2. Overall, Kent State 3-3, three three, Miami of Ohio 2-4, Ohio 1-5, Akron 2-4, Bowling Green 2-4, and, and Buffalo 2-4. In the West, NIU a perfect 2-0 in conference play. They are 4-2 overall. Eastern Michigan is 1-1, overall. Uh, Central Michigan is one and one, three and three overall. Ohio, uh, the Rockets are one and one, three and three overall, as well as Ball State is one and one and three and three overall. Western Michigan one and one, they are four and two overall, but they are one and one in conference play. So there's that for you right there. Let's take a look at the Big Ten really quickly. Of course, Week Six. Big slate, as I'm not just going to dive into the Ohio State game. It was a slaughter. They destroyed the Terps 66-17. Uh, Michigan State, a big 31-13 win over Rutgers. Uh, Wisconsin, a big 24-0 win over the, uh, the Illinois Fighting Illini. 
Uh, big games, of course, were Penn State and Iowa. Huge game. Iowa third ranked in the country, battling fourth ranked Penn State. And Iowa, big 20-23 win over the the Nittany Lions. It was Michigan, a big 32-29 win over Nebraska. They didn't deserve to win that game. I thought Frost did a really good job coaching-wise, but, you know, it's just the way the animal is. But the big news of the week, of course, week six, is that, you know, looking overall, the recap of week six, Coastal Carolina, big 52-20 to win over Arkansas State. It was Cincinnati, fifth ranked in the country, getting up on Temple, 52-3. to Arizona State and Herm Edwards, a big 28-10 to win over Stanford. In the Red River shootout on Saturday, saw the Oklahoma Sooners a big 55 to 48 win over the Texas Longhorns. It was Ole Miss a 52 51 win over Arkansas, a great shootout game right there. Florida a 42 to nothing win over Vanderbilt. Georgia beating up on Auburn 34 to 10. Boise State pulling the upset, beating the 10th ranked BYU Cougars 26 to 17. Wake Forest in overtime. Continues their perfect season as they're now a perfect 5-0. They are with a big 40-37 win over Syracuse. SMU a 31-24 win over the Naval Academy. It was Notre Dame pulling the big win. They pulled the trigger. They beat Virginia Tech at Blacksburg as they win 32-29. Kentucky a 42-21 win over LSU. And LSU's in trouble, folks. Coach O is in some serious heat. New Mexico State, New Mexico falls to San Diego State 31 to 7. And then the big one. Who says Alabama can't be beat? Texas AM can. And Texas AM gives Alabama their first loss in the regular season. 41 to 38 in a game winning field goal with two seconds left to go in the game. Alabama can be beat, and Texas A&M proved it. Texas A&M just proved it, folks. So it's for real. The rankings are out for this week, for week six, for week seven. Georgia's at number one. Iowa is now at number two. Cincinnati is at three. The Bearcats are making some making some push. I love it. Oklahoma is four. Alabama is now at five. They dropped four spots. Ohio State's at six. Penn State's at seven. Michigan is at eight. Oregon is at nine. Michigan State is now at the top ten. So if you're counting that, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, and Iowa. Five teams in the top ten. And they say that the Big Ten is not a good football conference. Kentucky, then Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Notre Dame is still at 14. Coastal Carolina is at 15. Wake Forest is at 16. Arkansas is at 17. Arizona State is at 18. BYU is at 19. Florida is at 20. Texas A&M is now ranked at 21st. North Carolina State is 22nd. SMU is 23rd. 24th ranked is San Diego State. And Texas is now 25th. Ranked in the country. Quick note for you for week seven of the college football spectrum. 
games on Friday night as California will battle ninth-ranked Oregon, 10:30 on ESPN. I will take the Ducks and San Diego State versus San Jose State, 10:30 kickoff on CBS Sports Network. I will take San Diego State in that one right there. So you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, as well as watching us live on Facebook Live, where it's now time. It's time to talk a little hockey. Yes, the NHL is back. We're a few minutes away from the puck drop of the 2021-2022 season. So it's back, folks. We're back, baby. The 2021-2022 NHL season is about to get underway tonight as two games will be on the docket tonight. Of course, it will be the Tampa Bay Lightning raising the banner at NLA Arena as they'll take on Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. The nightcap will see the Vegas Golden Knights welcoming in the Kraken. Yes, the Seattle Kraken comes a calling to T-Mobile Arena on on Tuesday night as they will play host to the Seattle Kraken's first professional NHL game, regular season game, it will take place tonight, of course, as we are now getting ready for this upcoming season. A lot of news, you know, a lot of looking into tonight, of course. The big thing for me is how this season is going to play out, you know. Seattle being the new team this year, it's going to be interesting. I'm more interested in seeing how the new TV situation is going to break down. Of course, like I mentioned before, ESPN is now the one of the homes of the NHL. They're going to have a lot of their games on the national page between ESPN, ESPN2, as well as on ABC in some aspects. But also, Turner Sports will also have rights to the NHL. They'll have games Wednesday and Saturday nights. As they will have Wednesday night hockey tomorrow night, it will be the Washington Capitals playing the New York Rangers, and the nightcap will be the Colorado Avalanche hosting the Chicago Blackhawks. I think that's going to be a very interesting game and see how the network's going to present those games. It's going to be interesting how they're going to present tonight's games as well on ESPN. The first time ESPN's got hockey back, NHL hockey back, since like 2004. So it's going to be interesting. It will be interesting to see how it's all present, how it's all going to break down. Uh, news and notes going into tonight's game. Of course, um, four players are out for the Kraken tonight. Top line center, uh, top line center Jamie Olslick, as well as Jonas Donsoff, Callie Jarncroft, and J- Jared McCann are all out due to the NHL COVID nineteen protocol. They will be unable to play tonight. Because of COVID, they all tested positive for COVID, so they are not going to be there. I see that Chris uh, has wrote out, go Habs, go. Yes, the uh, Canadians will play tomorrow night against the Mon- uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs at Scotiabank Place in Toronto. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's four. There's four games on the slate tomorrow night. Excuse me, five games on the slate tomorrow. Montreal, Toronto. You have Winnipeg is at Anaheim. You also have Chicago and Colorado, like I mentioned before, on TNT. New York is in Washington, the Battle of the Capitals. And the late game, of course, another late game. Vancouver is in Edmonton, the Battle of the Oilers. So with that all in mind, let's take a look at what my prediction is for this upcoming season. Well, first and foremost, start with the Atlantic Division. I think 
The Atlantic Division is a very interesting division. A lot of great teams, of course. Uh, it's a toss-up, really, for this division, or who's going to be 1, 2, and 3 in this division. Uh, but if I have to take it right now, I think that the Boston Bruins are going to be the number one seed in that division. I think Tampa falls in the number two position. And then in the third position, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think the Leafs will battle it out with Tampa in the first round of this playoffs. I think Florida gets the wild cards, one of the wild card spots. I think they're the number four team in that division. I have Flor- So then I have Florida. Montreal is going to take a set back. No carry price. That's going to really hurt them a little bit. Uh, I know they're the defending champions in the in the conf- in the in the playoff bubble or whatever it was, but I think they fall into the fifth position. They fall into the fifth position. Six are then the Ottawa Senators. I think the Senators fall into the sixth position. Detroit finishes in seventh. I think they get to twenty nine wins this year. That's how really I think that's what's going to happen with this team. I don't think Stevie Y is ready yet. I think next year is the team that they are really going to propel themselves to becoming the component for the season, become a playoff contender. They're close, but they need another year. One more year, and they're in, in my opinion. And then finishing out with the Buffalo Sabres. So again, like I mentioned before, I have Boston, then Tampa, Toronto, Florida with a wild card, and then I have Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, and then Buffalo finishing it all off right there. Let's look at the Pacific Division. In the Pacific Division, the Seattle Kraken are the new team this year. And I am really looking forward to listening to Everett Fitzhugh, our good friend, doing the games on the radio side of the broadcast. I'll probably be listening to that tonight. Instead of watching the game, I'll probably have it like a little simulcast. It'll probably be five seconds delay, but you know that's just that's just the way it is. But Seattle, can Seattle pull lightning in a bottle like what Vegas, what how Vegas did it last year? I don't see it. I really don't. I unfortunately don't see it. So in the Pacific Division, this is how I think it's going to break down. Vegas getting the number one overall seed. I have then, I then have Edmonton is the two. Calgary is the three seed. Um, I think Vancouver is there, but they still need a little bit of help. And I think they're no, no wild card team out of the Pacific division. I, I have, so again, I have Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton. I have Vancouver as the four. I have Anna. I have Seattle as the five. They're pretty good this year, but you know, it's an expansion year. I think that they'll be fine. Uh, I really don't have any faith in all the L.A. teams this year. I really don't. I have the Kings at 6. I have Anaheim at 7. And I have the Sharks at 8. I just think the Sharks are not there this year. I They used to be good. And I just don't think that after all the offseason, they did not make any great moves. They are very, very older roster I don't think that San Jose is there. So I have San Jose in the last spot. Looking at the Central Division. Now, the Central Division is an interesting one. I think that's where the Stanley Cup champion is going to be coming out of. Yes, I did say that out loud. I gave, I tipped my hat a little bit. I know what I'm going to talk about tonight. The, the question mark about this division is that who is going to dethrone who 
overall, the division looks like this. I have St. Louis at one. I have Winnipeg at two. I have Chicago at three. Wild cards are coming out of the Central this year. Here's where I think it. Colorado's at four in a wild card spot. Five are the Dallas Stars. Dallas gets a wild card spot. Six is Arizona. Seven is Minnesota. And then the eighth spot. Oh, I have, like I said before, I have St. Louis, Winnipeg, Chicago. I'm writing this out as we're doing this. Chicago, uh, Nashville. It's the fourth seed. Dallas as the fifth seed. No, scratch that. Colorado is four. Nashville, five. Dallas just misses the playoffs. That's six. Arizona, seven. Minnesota's eight. So St. Louis, Winnipeg, Chicago. Colorado, Nashville are your two wild cards out of the Western Conference. Dallas, Arizona, Minnesota. There's your. That, that's who I think. And St. Louis is a good team. They are a very, very good team. So, let's go into the Metro. A stacked teams, a big division. The big news, of course, today is that the Jackets announced the captain C is Boone Jenner. Zach Wierenski gets an A. Oliver Bjorkstrand an A. I like it. I really like it. I really liked it. Do I see us winning games? I see us winning 32 games this year. Do I see us getting to the playoffs? No. No. We're a year off. So this is how I have it shaped up. I have the Islanders at one. I think they're going to be the team that everybody's going to talk about. I have... Pittsburgh at two. Washington at three. Carolina as a wild card. That's your four. Then I have Philadelphia. The Rangers. The Jackets. And the Devils. New Jersey's not there, folks. So again, going over it again. We'll go over it again here right before the season starts. Atlantic Division. Boston. Tampa. Toronto. Florida with a wild card. Montreal. Ottawa. Detroit, Buffalo, Metro, Islanders, Pittsburgh, Washington, Carolina as the wild card, Philadelphia, Rangers, 
the Jackets, and then the Devils. Pacific. Vegas. Edmonton. Calgary. Vancouver. Seattle. L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. Okay, so those are the, that's how I see the divisions breaking down. I'm not giving you playoffs. I will give you straight up my two teams. Drum roll. I did not pick the Jackets to win the Stanley Cup this year. No. My Eastern Conference team to make it to the Cup Final this year. The Boston Bruins. I think Boston's put together. I think they're really good. I really like the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna tear up that division, especially against Tampa. Tampa and them. You know, they're going to get garbage wins with Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit. So many wins. They'll shake up Montreal a bunch too. I think Boston's there. My Western Conference team? The Chicago Blackhawks. I think with a healthy Jonathan Taves, a fully healthy Patrick Kane, a great goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury, Good defense. I like Chicago. I like the Hawks. And to win it all, I have the Hawks winning it all. I think they are the put-together hockey team this season. I really, really do. I really, really do like the Hawks this year. They're going to be a team to watch out for. With the acquisition of Seth Jones, that could help them out, more help them out on the defensive end, but... When you have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves together on a line together and they're working together, the sky is the limit. I like Chicago in this season. I like Chicago this year. I really do. And I think the Hawks will get back onto the winning page. And I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I have a rematch of, a, of the Stanley Cup a few years ago. Hawks and Bruins. That's how I, that's how I see it. So write that down on your calendar. The 12th day of October, 2021. All Andy Alford has announced that the Chicago Blackhawks will win the Stanley Cup in 2022. Looking forward to this upcoming Saturday night, of course. If you haven't heard yet, the the Salida Walleye, the East Coast Hockey League team, the AA affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings will battle the Kalamazoo Wings, who is the AA affiliate of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Tickets are $5. That's right, $5 to see this, see the two teams in an exhibition bout. It'll be the only exhibition game of the season, and the only time that the Walleye will be home at the Huntington Center in the month of October. They won't return until November, as they'll take on those same Kalamazoo Wings in November. 
So there's that piece of information for you right there. Tickets available by calling 419-725-WALL or visiting the Toledo Walleye website. You can also head down to the ticket box office at the Huntington Center to purchase your tickets. So $5 gets you into the building for walleye hockey, the first walleye hockey game in over two years at the Huntington Center. So there's that for you. Definitely go out. I will be there in attendance. The show will be there as well. We'll have we'll have some video for that. And you'll also hear my intermission report right here on the All Andy Alford Network on Facebook Live as well as you're listening to us on face watching us on Facebook Live as well as on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so, so much for tuning into the podcast tonight. And now let's uh, dive into Andy Rance tonight, of course, a big one. We'll talk about John Gruden. So it's now time for Andy Rance, and I want to thank you, thank you guys for watching tonight as well as on face on Facebook Live as well as listening to our show tonight on the Anchor Network. We will be back on the air on Friday for our Falcon Friday edition of the All Andy Alford program for you tonight, of course. Uh, so let's dive into Andy Rant tonight. And tonight the big discussion tonight is about John Gruden. John Gruden was let go of the Las Vegas Raiders uh, this past uh, Monday night after emails surfaced from Friday, uh, starting on Friday, from emails back in 2011, which stated some racist comments as well as vulgar actions towards the commissioner of the National Football League, as well as as well as staff members from the Washington Football Team. So, what does this all mean? It means that John's out. Now, I will say this. I'm going to say this very hesitantly. ESPN is really tipping toes around this situation. Because remember, John Gruden was hired during that time frame by ESPN to do Monday night football games with Mike Tirico. So, why isn't ESPN responding to those emails during the time that he was employed and paid by ESPN. That's my biggest question. Why isn't ESPN responding to this? They should respond to this situation. Because it is a huge situation happening. And with with football trying to end the racism and end the counterculture uh, is it's happening in this world. To have this happen is a bad, 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 terrible, bad look on the league. Plain and simple. You know, and I like John. John John was a nice guy. Kid from Sandusky. It's just, uh, this is terrible. This is bad. This is a bad look on John right now. It really is. So we'll see what's going to happen as the days go on as well. I want to also dive into this too. Uh, You know, I have been on this planet for 31 years. I have honestly lived and grown up with sports. I am the most excited for this NHL season because of not only ESPN and TNT come back, but the NHL is back and the Jackets are a new team this year. 
with new leadership, with new coaching, and with a old face in the new in the new place running the ship with John Davidson. I hope the positives out of this Jackets team are there. I would love to see 31 wins this year. I, I'd love to see, I, I think 32 wins looks like what the Jackets are going to get this year. Do I see them making the playoffs? No. Do I see them getting, you know, getting a high draft pick? Possibly. But the this team is a very young team. It is a, pardon my language, but with the youngest that this team is, you know, you are also getting some inexperience. But there is positives out of this team, of course, with the captaincy of Boone Jenner. And I think Boone is deserving of the captaincy. But I would have, you know, I'm not going to pick and choose a who I thought the captain should be. <clears throat> Jack Roslevic. Um, <clears throat> Zach Warinski. Um, I, I do love Z that gets his A. Z gets an A. I love it. I like Bjorkstrand getting an A. I like um, Nyquist getting an a, getting an A. I like that all. I liked all those moves that the Jackets made today. Don't get me wrong. I love all the the moves, and I do like that Jenner gets the gets the captaincy. But you know, it still hurts to me that the seventy one is not going to be the captain of this team, and it's going to hurt for a while. It's going to hurt for a while, a long time. But we're going to have to pick up, and we're going to have to move on. So we'll see what happens with that. The Jackets, by the way, the 23-man roster is out. And to me, the roster looks, you know, very, very good. You have you have Sean Corrali, you have Gus Nyquist, Gregory Hoffman, Max Domi, of course, Bjorkstrand, Line A, that bum, uh, Cole Sillinger. I love to see Cole in the lineup. Uh, Boone Jenner, the captain. Alexander Texier, you've got uh, Eric Robertson, Emil Benstrom, which is a big one, Yurgo Chosinski, the kid that they just drafted, is in the lineup. I love it. Uh, Yaka Voracek, the former jacket that got the trade from Cam Atkinson, is in the lineup, is in the opening day lineup, as well as Jack Roslevic. On the defensive side, you have Andrew Peak, Scott Harrington, Zach Warinski, Jake Bean, who I like. I like this pickup for... For, for the Jackets there. Adam Boquist from Chicago. I like this kid too. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov as well as Dean Kukin. Also part of it. But the goaltending situation is going to be an interesting one. How much of time is going to be between Corpusalo And how much time is it going to be for Elvis? Uh, we're going to see how that's all going to shake out. It all starts on Thursday night. I'm looking forward to opening night with the Jackets. Jackets have Arizona. And then Saturday night they take on the Seattle Kraken. Uh, if Everett's listening to the show, I would love some tickets. Love some tickets, brother. Uh, hook it up. Hook a player up. Hook a Falcon up. Everett, I love it. Um, have a great broadcast tonight, by the way, Everett. I'll be listening right there. So that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Alford right here on the Facebook Live as well as on our Anchor Network. Until I talk to you on Friday night, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, go Jackets! We're back on the ice on Thursday night against Arizona. Go Walleye! Take care of the Kalamazoo Wings, somewhat. Go Falcons. And go Browns. Come on, Lions. And go State. 
Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Friday for another edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you. Talk to you guys then.